and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you get into the best shape of your life, regardless of your age, so that you can show up in life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. But before we get to today's show, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Silver Edge. And this is my online personal training and nutrition coaching business, where we help you get off the exercise and diet hamster wheel and start making permanent healthy lifestyle changes so you can enjoy the second half of your life with strength and confidence and show up as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself, no matter your age. If you're interested in learning more, send me an email at coach at silveredgefitness.com and we'll start a conversation about your personal fitness goals. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. Today we have another edition of the Coach's Corner, so no guest today, it's just me, and we'll be back next week with our regular interview format. Today I want to go over what I'm calling the Silver Edge Manifesto, and these are just some of my core beliefs when it comes to optimal health and vitality as we age. So if you're ready, I'm ready, let's do this. The Silver Edge Manifesto. I thought it would be fun to talk about some of our core tenets and beliefs over here at the Silver Edge. So I compiled a list of 15 ideas that make up our core philosophy. And here's the list in no particular order. Number one, we can be in the best shape of our lives after age 50. Number two, metabolic health trumps weight loss. Number three, there are no shortcuts to a strong, lean, healthy body. Number four, we need to focus on building functional strength. Number five, cardio sucks for weight loss. Number six, the food pharmaceutical machine does not have our best interests at heart. Number seven, we are our own best healthcare advocates. Number eight, we can be overweight and under eating at the same time. Number nine, the common advice of eat less, move more is poor advice for most of us. Number 10, diets don't work. Number 11, the more restrictive your diet, the more difficult it is to maintain optimal health. Number 12, there is nothing magical about intermittent fasting. Number 13, we should eat primarily whole foods. Number 14, we should eat more quality protein. And number 15, the common narrative of aging sucks. I realize that some of these might be controversial or maybe even triggering for some folks, but let's walk through each of these core tenets. So number one is we can be in the best shape of our lives after age 50. And there's no reason you can't be in the best shape of your life in your 50s, 60s, and beyond. And by that, I mean stronger, fitter, and healthier than you've ever been in your life. I'm currently 58 years old, and I'm as strong, fit, and as healthy as I've ever been in my entire life, and I believe the best is still yet to come. And this podcast is full of examples of amazing men and women who are in the same position. For example, check out the podcast interview I did with Shelly Stetner. She's a 71-year-old, and she's out there setting world powerlifting records. And she never even touched a barbell until she was 65 years old. She considered herself a frail old lady before that. 
And Shelly isn't just strong for a little old lady. She's legitimately strong. In a recent powerlifting competition, she squatted 253 pounds, bench pressed 148 pounds, and deadlifted 286 pounds. Oh, and she had an off day that day on her deadlift. She's capable of deadlifting 320 pounds. I think we can agree that that's strong for anyone, let alone a 71-year-old woman. Now, those of you that were collegiate athletes or gym rats when you were younger, you probably won't see that same level of performance and strength now, but for the rest of us, it's entirely possible to be in the best shape of your life after 50. Number two, metabolic health trumps weight loss. Okay, for all my weight loss peeps out there, listen up. Far and away, your best bet for permanent lifelong weight loss and maintenance is to forget about weight loss, at least to begin with, and focus on getting metabolically healthy. The top ways to improve your metabolic health are to increase strength and muscle, which staves off sarcopenia and osteopenia, clean up your diet, meaning eat primarily whole foods and skip the ultra-processed crap, manage your stress, and get eight hours of quality sleep every night. All too often, we skip this vital step of building up our metabolism and we go straight to weight loss, which always leads to a dead end. I discussed this scenario in depth in the last edition of The Coach's Corner, and I'll drop a link to that episode into the show notes, which you can find over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 141. If you've ever wondered why you inevitably gain weight back after you diet, I definitely recommend giving that episode a listen. Also, we have a free metabolic assessment over at silveredgefree.com, and this is a 30-minute Zoom call with me to break down your current metabolic state and help give you guidance on where to start and get the most bang for your buck when it comes to improving your metabolic health. And as opposed to me telling you that I'll drop all these resources into the show notes every time I mention these resources, just know that whatever I mentioned today can, in fact, be found in the show notes for this episode. And again, you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 141. Okay, on to number three. Number three core tenant is there are no shortcuts to a strong, lean, healthy body. There just aren't. So, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you can absolutely build a strong, capable, healthy body at any age. The bad news is you just can't do it quickly. There just aren't any shortcuts, at least not for lasting changes. You can absolutely go on a diet and lose 10, 20, maybe 30 pounds in a fairly short period of time, but that weight loss doesn't stick around for long. Sooner or later, after your diet is over, those pesky pounds come creeping back onto your body. And the main problem goes back to the last subject we just discussed, and that's that too many of us jump straight to fat loss and we bypass getting metabolically healthy first. I know a lot of you don't want to hear this, but losing 20 pounds in 12 months always trumps losing 20 pounds in two months. Patience and a solid nutrition and exercise program are the key to lifelong results. Number four, we need to focus on building functional strength. Building and maintaining muscle is critical for healthy aging. Sarcopenia is the word for age-related muscle loss, and osteopenia refers to bone weakening and density loss. And both of these can be prevented, arrested, and in some cases reversed by following a well-thought-out strength program. So what does a well-thought-out strength program look like? 
While there are many ways of building muscle and strength, lifting weights, that is, dumbbells and barbells, is hands down the most effective way to build muscle. We're talking about compound functional movements like squats, deadlifts, presses, rows, and carries. Now, there are some of you out there, specifically perhaps some of you ladies listening, that may be thinking you don't want to lift heavy weights and you don't want to get big and bulky. And to you, I say, one, don't worry, you won't. And two, this type of strength training will give you a lean, sculpted, toned look, not a big bulky look. So lifting weights will help stave off or even reverse sarcopenia and osteopenia and will improve your body composition. But it also turns out that muscle is the organ of longevity. Being strong, fit, healthy, capable, and confident will ensure that you show up as the best version of yourself every day. Number five, cardio sucks for weight loss. Okay, so we just talked about strength training and its benefit for those of us over 50, but what about cardio? I mean, everybody knows the best way to lose weight is to hit the treadmill and start logging some hours, right? Not so fast. While cardio is absolutely critical for our long-term health and heart health, excessive cardio, especially when done for weight loss, is actually a terrible idea for those of us over 50, and here's why. Excessive cardio is catabolic. That is, it breaks down muscles, specifically type 2 muscles. If you were to Google some images of elite marathon runners, they are stick thin and have damn near zero type 2 muscle on their bodies because all that running, that cardio, causes the body to get rid of that metabolically expensive type 2 muscle. It's just excess weight when it comes to running long distances. Now Google elite sprinters. These men and women have lots of type 2 muscle fibers and generally have strong muscular physiques. But outside of aesthetics, why does this matter? Isn't muscle muscle? Nope. Here's the deal. We preferentially lose type 2 muscle fibers as we age, and we tend to do a pretty good job of hanging on to that type 1 muscle fairly easily. But it's the type 2 muscle that is metabolically expensive. That is, it requires more calorie burn just to maintain it. In other words, having more type 2 muscle speeds up and optimizes our metabolism, which in turn burns more calories while we're at rest. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, hang on, but doesn't cardio burn more calories than lifting weights? And the answer is, yep, it definitely does. But you should think of cardio in terms of heart health and not in the number of calories that you're burning while you do it. There's a time and a place for cardio, but it needs to be dosed correctly, just like anything else, and it sucks as a weight loss method. Number six, the food and pharma industrial machine does not have our best interests at heart. So heart healthy, low fat, low sugar, all natural, organic, no high fructose corn syrup, non-GMO, plant-based, Savvy marketers know we want to eat healthy, yet the vast majority of the wares they peddle are simply metabolic poison. The term greenwashing was recently coined to describe the attempt of food manufacturers to make their products seem healthier than they really are. Did you know that only 10 companies produce over 90% of the food we eat? And that the average American's diet is made up of over 70% highly processed foods? 
And these giant corporations are beholden to stockholders, which means they need to show growth quarter after quarter and year after year. And these companies hire PhD chemists to concoct hyperpalatable food-like substances, and they use terms like bliss point to describe optimal deliciousness. And then a team of marketers goes to work selling us these hyperpalatable, overly processed foods. And not only are these foods often devoid of any nutritional value, but study after study shows that we tend to overeat these foods which is great for stockholders in these companies, but not so good for you and I. And the other half of this equation is Big Pharma. First off, let me state that I'm by no means anti-medicine. Big Pharma has done some amazing things for this world, but they also profit wildly from our metabolic illnesses, which are caused in large part by our crappy diets and sedentary lifestyles. Johnson & Johnson, Novartis, Merck, and Pfizer have zero financial interest in you and I getting healthy and getting off our daily blood pressure or cholesterol meds. It's simply an ugly reality that this industry gains from an overweight and unhealthy population. Now, I'll wrap up this little diatribe by stating that I don't think these are evil organizations or that there's some evil cabal of old rich white men wringing their hands in glee over our poor health, but I would certainly advise that we view their marketing materials through a very skeptical lens. Number seven, we are our own best healthcare advocates. Sticking with the theme of the last item, you are your own best healthcare advocate. Think about your last physical. How long did the doctor spend with you? And while he or she may have given lip service to the importance of eating healthy and regular exercise, if you were sick, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, you were likely given a prescription to help alleviate your symptoms and sent on your way. For the most part, your optimal health is your responsibility. Our medical system is fantastic if you become acutely ill or if you injure yourself, but not so much with dealing with metabolic illnesses, things like obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, abnormal cholesterol. These are all largely under our control and are our responsibility to contain. Number eight, we can be overweight and under eating at the same time. So at first, this sounds like a paradox. I mean, if you were under eating, wouldn't it make sense that you'd be underweight? Not necessarily. Over half of our weight loss clients come to us in exactly this position. And here's basically what's going on. These folks are often serial dieters. Some have been dieting off and on most of their adult lives. And they become metabolically adapted to low calorie diets. That is, their metabolisms adjust to chronically under-eating by slowing down, which results in a new set point for their maintenance calories, which means that they'd need to eat even less in order to jumpstart their stalled weight loss. And frankly, the correct prescription for this type of person wanting to lose weight is usually to start out by eating more, which I can tell you from personal experience can be a very tough sell. Number nine. The common prescription of eat less, move more is poor advice for most of us. 
Again, I actually covered this fairly extensively in the last edition of the Coach's Corner. So if you haven't listened to that, maybe go back and listen to that. I think it's 15, 20 minutes long. But this logical sounding and well-meaning advice often comes from both the medical community and the fitness and nutrition space. First of all, this is very vague advice. I mean, how much more should you move and what kind of movements are best for you right now where you are? And how much less food exactly should you eat? And does it matter what kinds of food you eat less of? Now, this might be great advice if you're already super fit and metabolically healthy, but for everyone else, this advice doesn't normally lead to long-term body weight success. Number 10, diets don't work. So diets, as we commonly understand them, are inherently flawed. A diet is typically something we do for a defined period of time, most commonly until we reach a certain weight. But if you'll remember back to core tenet number two, we simply have no business dieting until we've gotten ourselves metabolically healthy first. This is a critical step, and it's missing from 99% of the diet programs floating around out there. And the reason that is, is that our instant gratification culture has conditioned us to expect immediate results. And people trying to sell weight loss solutions are keenly aware of this fact. Now, as someone who makes a living regularly telling people that their weight loss journey may take a year or even a couple years, I get it. Rapid fat loss solutions will always outsell me. Always. But if you want meaningful lifelong change, Get thin, quick diets don't work, at least not for long-term sustainable success. Number 11, the more restrictive the diet, the more difficult to maintain optimal health. Okay, now here's where we might get into some controversial subjects or maybe even triggering for some of you, but here's what I'm talking about. This is my keto folks, my vegetarians, my vegans, my carnivores out there. Any diet that wholesale cuts out entire food groups. Now, I'm sure there's a couple of zealots out there that are strongly disagreeing with me on this right now, but here's the thing. Our bodies have evolved to eat and find nutrition in a wide variety of food sources. And the more variety you have in your diet, the more likely you are to get a wide range of essential nutrients. And conversely, the more restrictive your diet, the more careful you need to be that you're getting all the nourishment that your body needs for optimal health and performance. And this isn't to say that people who choose to eat restricted diets can't be healthy. They certainly can. They just need to be more attentive to their diet and potential supplementation for any dietary deficiencies. Many people jump on these dietary programs because they're marketed as the optimal way to eat or the optimal way to lose weight, but they aren't. If you enjoy eating in this way and you can see yourself doing it for the rest of your life and it serves your body well, go for it. Which brings us to number 12. There is nothing magical in intermittent fasting. Now, this is another one that might be a little triggering to the intermittent fasting crowd, but here's the deal. Intermittent fasting seems to be all the rage these days, and it gets touted as the best way to lose weight, increase longevity via cell regeneration, improve brain health, improve heart health, clean up your skin issues, and a whole host of other claims. But There's a couple of things we need to look at here when considering intermittent fasting. First of all, we all intermittently fast. Assuming that you sleep, you are fasting overnight, and most of us break that fast when we wake up and eat our first meal. 
So intermittent fasting is already built into our biology. And second is that the intermittent fasting craze is a fairly recent phenomena, and the research on the health benefits of specifically intermittent fasting are still pretty thin. Like the restrictive diets above, if you enjoy intermittent fasting and you can see yourself eating that way for the rest of your life, go for it. But so far, the research shows very little benefit of eating in a restricted time window when we control for all other factors. You'd be much better served by focusing on cleaning up your diet, exercising appropriately, working on reducing your stress and improving your sleep than obsessing over when you eat or what your eating window is. Now, that being said, the science is very clear on the health benefits of prolonged fasting. I'm personally a big fan of doing a monthly 24-hour fast and annually doing a 24- or 36-hour fast. Number 13, we should eat primarily whole foods. So going back to number six on this list, the big food industry simply isn't your friend. But wholesome whole foods are. If you made no other change than swapping out highly processed food for real food, you'd level up in no time at all. But here's the deal. Aside from ultra-processed foods being hyper-palatable, most of us have traded our health for convenience. So there's no sugarcoating it. Eating a whole food diet takes more time and work to prepare. There is a very strong correlation between the rise of processed foods and the obesity epidemic we're currently experiencing. Ultra-processed foods typically contain a bunch of calories and very little nutritional value, and they're not particularly satiating. Number 14, most of us over 50 should eat more quality protein. As we age, we require more protein to build and maintain muscle, specifically that type 2 metabolically valuable muscle we just discussed. And in my experience working with clients, most of us are not eating adequate quality protein. Women should be aiming for a minimum of 25 grams of protein per meal, and men should be aiming for 30 grams. In addition, Active older adults should be aiming for 0.7 to 1 gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight every day. If you'd like more info on protein, check out the Over 50 Guide to Healthy Protein. And again, you can find that over at silveredgefree.com or in the notes below. Okay, into the final stretch here. Number 15, the common narrative of aging sucks. I saved this one for last because I'm so passionate about this one. Way too often I hear people who are younger than me say something along the lines of, well, it's all downhill from here, or getting old sure sucks, doesn't it? Or worse yet, we have well-meaning medical professionals telling older people that they shouldn't do things like squats or deadlifts. And what little marketing is directed towards us comes primarily from the pharmaceutical industry looking to push their pills and injections. So it's my mission to rail against that narrative and to put out a subversive message that not only is it possible to be in the best shape of your life in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, but that it's a decidedly preferable way to spend the second half of your life. And that's really what this podcast is all about. It's my hope that you find some education and inspiration for living your strongest, healthiest, most vital life, no matter your age, here in this podcast.
Okay, that's our show for today, folks. Again, I'll put all the links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 141. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget I have more free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our mini guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle. So feel free to head over there and download anything that might be helpful to you and your health and wellness journey. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. The first is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is to give this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today, and until next time, stay strong. Okay, folks, that's our show for today. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. Again, I'll put the links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com. And you can find that over at Silver... Good grief, Kevin.